Welcome to the Ketones and Coffee Podcast with Lawrence Munaig, where we explore the ketogenic lifestyle and how it can improve your physical and mental health. Each week, we bring you valuable insights and advice from experts to help you on your journey to a healthier lifestyle. This episode is brought to you by BasicKetogenicLifestyle.com, where Lawrence coaches individuals with depression to reverse their symptoms and achieve a healthier, happier life using an evidence-based approach. So sit back, relax, and join us as we dive deep into the world of ketones and coffee. Subscribe to the Ketones and Coffee podcast today and never miss an episode. Welcome to the Ketones and Coffee Podcast, where we talk about creating a sustainable, healthy lifestyle through the ketogenic diet. I'm Lawrence, and I'm so grateful to have you joining me on this journey. Every week, we bring in guests who have the knowledge and experience to help you on your own journey to a better health. This week, we have a special guest who has been through the same trials and tribulations as we all have on our search for a sustainable lifestyle. Together, we hope to assist you on your own journey. I'm so excited for this, guys. This week, we have a special guest joining us, Mike Collins, the founder of SugarAddiction.com and the Quit Sugar Summit. Mike has dedicated over a decade to helping people quit sugar and regain control of their lives. And with over 37 years of successful recovery himself, Mike is an expert at discussing relevant recovery topics. I'm so excited for this. Mike, welcome to the show. Lorenzo, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Awesome. To kick this off, sugar addiction, that topic is, for me, is one tricky subject. It, it looks like we are an, in an uphill battle here. And I just had Dr. Joan Ifla on the show, and she's she's still going at it after many, many years of you know research and just talking about the subject. It looks like the, it's not slowing down anytime soon, but we are actually, you know, giving out awareness out there. You've done a great job with your, you know, organizations. And what I realized for some people in, and this is in fact true for most of us, we're all affected by this, right? And multiple family members can be, you know, labeling things is what's, you know, the trickiest part about this is because we, when we label people sugar addicts, we begin our lives trained by sugar addicts. If you're one of the lucky to identify this in yourself, if you want to recover, you almost have to detach yourself from that, right? And needless to say, it's, it's an uphill battle. And you have helped thousands of people create this change. Mike has experience and wisdom and will empower you to take control of your own journey to a better health and awareness. Now, this podcast, Mike, is... You know, we our bread and butter here is a stories here, and you've been you know in recovery f- from you know substance use disorder for you know thirty seven years and have dedicated over a decade again in helping people quit sugar and regain control of their lives. Can you right. tell us a little bit about your own journey and sugar addiction and recovery? Sure, no, I'd be happy to. It actually starts a couple generations back. It's it's a it's an interesting story, I think, for folks, and I think they'll relate to it. My grandmother died when my mother was only eight years old. And she was, you know, obviously quite upset. And my grandfather and her, she was the baby, and they had to move in with great aunt, his sister. But they owned the country store across the way. And my grandfather made a deal with my cousin, his cousin Jim at the time, that anytime my mom walked into that store, she could have any candy she wanted, just put it on his tab, right? 
And honestly, my mom grew up, and I believe she died, believing that sugar was love, right? And sugar, at that time, you know, no one really thought there was much science about it. And so I grew up this way, right? I I can imagine a child having unfettered access to the sugar bowl. I could put as much sugar on my cornflakes and Cheerios as I wanted to and scrape a half an inch of milk at the bottom with the sugar, it was crazy. You know, we made Kool-Aid with three times the the recipe, another three cups of sugar instead of one. And we just grew up this way, all kinds of candy and ice cream and cookies. She made these amazing cookies all the time. And we just always had sugar everywhere. And I grew up this way. Well, about 14, I ran into beer and, and I knew... This is an important part of the story is that I knew that beer changed my state. I knew it changed how I felt. You know, I could, I was kind of shy and I could talk to girls and drink behind the high school, go to the dance and talk to the girls and stuff. Anyway, that party lasted until I was about 28 years old. It's kind of, it's a fun story and I can talk about it, but you know, I ran large nightclubs and it was just wild. Anyway, right after I got sober, I went right back to sugar, which I find a lot of people in recovery do. And, you know, I'm a thin athletic guy and I gained like 20 pounds. I had acne on my face and rosacea and it was almost worse than the drugs and the alcohol. And so... I, I, I read a book called Sugar Blues. I just wanted to get healthy after I got sober. And so I read this book called Sugar Blues. It was promoted in the late 70s and early 80s, and I discovered it. And it, it, the guy who wrote it, William Duffy, was actually married to Gloria Swanson, the famous movie star. So it was really kind of interesting how they were promoting it, and it was fun, actually. And I just got it in my head. So anyway, I went on to raise a couple sugar-free kids, got sugar-free myself. And so for about 32 years, I haven't had flour, sugar, or caffeine. And in 2009, I grabbed the domain sugaraddiction.com, and I was still working kind of my regular job stuff. And, I, and so I started putting out all this information online, but no, you know, some people took it and ran with it and whatever, but... It wasn't until about five years ago, I was kind of semi-retired, and I started coaching people and started building these online groups, right? And then all of a sudden, the pandemic comes along, and here we are kind of set up for this. People are comfort eating, and things Mm. just exploded at this point, right? People are stuck in their homes. The only way they can go is online, So now we have tens of thousands of people in our forums. We have Zoom meetings twice a day for support. We've got 14 coaches who, you know, help folks one-on-one. So it just kind of really exploded from the pandemic. So that's kind of the short version of the podcast, how I got here. And usually it brings up more questions than it answers. But (laughs) Yeah. With you starting your, you know, coaching program, your organizations, helping other people, you must know how hard this is to do. Oh, God, it's hard. Yeah. You know, people, people, Lorenzo, they they come to me for weight loss. They think that this is another diet because every diet worth the paper it's printed on says quit the white stuff, you know, quit the sugar, Mm -hmm. quit the flour, rice, tobacco, I mean, potatoes, you know. And so they start on their own. They usually come to me after they've tried everything. That's why the name of my book is The Last Resort Sugar Detox, because they've tried everything else, you know. Mm -hmm. They've tried whatever, 
you know, keto, vegetarian, Weight Watchers, Jenny Craig, and every diet book you've ever heard of, we have people, and diet guru you've ever heard of, we've had people come to us. They could do the diets for a time, but you know the literature, everybody that loses any amount of weight, and this is proven fact, this is almost folklore in 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 peer-reviewed diet studies, that 95% of people who lose any amount of weight gain it all back in the first year and then some. And here's why. They can willpower. They can muscle maybe, you know, 30 days, 60 days, whatever. They can lose weight or exercise or whatever. But at the end of the day, they always run into some sort of stress, financial relationships, job, kids, and they end up falling back to this emotional management system that they ended up, that they started literally like I did as a kid. And and this is where it comes full circle when I was explaining changing your state. You know, it's a very common construct in the world of alcohol and drugs that if you started using alcohol and drugs at 14 or 15, you mm-hmm. stop growing emotionally. Your life's a mess, your relationships, mm-hmm. because you never solved any problems. Once the, you know, the day would wear on, you'd use the drugs and the problem would still be there in the morning, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, think about this. If you're two or three years old using this substance Mm. and you can get it for free, well, anybody that's ever got off sugar and stayed off sugar, they talk about this, not their weight loss, none of the type 2 diabetes remission or any of this stuff. They talk about Mm. how they learn to manage their emotions better without the sugar, right? They call Mm. it comfort food for a reason. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Let's break let's break this down for our listeners here. Maybe yeah. you know, again, this is a tricky subject that I want people to understand in themselves. I want them to be able to identify this in themselves if if they are I'm not saying everybody's affected by this, but you know, certainly some are. Break this down for us, your own process. Let's get back to your own experience here. How in your own recovery, you know, 37 years we've talked about that. How many years into recovery did you start to feel like you were, you know, gaining control of your sugar addiction there? Hey guys, let me tell you about this delivery service that's been a total game changer for my lifestyle. Did you know that it's now possible to get local fresh groceries delivered right at your doorstep? Well, Instacart gives you unlimited grocery delivery for one low monthly fee. And if I can avoid buying non-keto-friendly items from supermarkets who psychs you into buying unhealthy foods, plus if it saves me a lot of time and money, sign me up. Instacart is hand-selected by shoppers based on your preferences, so no more rock-hard avocados and they will keep your eggs safe too. And Instacart will find everything you usually buy and get smart suggestions for new items. And you can get your first order today delivered for free when you purchase over $35 by following the link on the show notes below to let Instacart know that I sent you and to help to support the show. Instacart, never step foot in the grocery store again. That's a good question, actually. You know, it takes, there's like a, and I have it written down somewhere, but it takes a good year to stabilize. Mm. And you end up going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You know, people, 
One of my contemporaries, a friend of Joan and I, says that if you don't relapse, if you don't fall back in the first six months, you never really had a problem. So people keep going back and forth. And I did the same thing. Except mine, I didn't have anybody to talk to. So mm. the way it worked for me is, I, I and I have it in my program that caffeine is related because it affects the same brain reward chemicals. So I quit caffeine, that took me a year. I quit sugar, that took me a year. I quit flour, that took me a year. So it took me a literally three years back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But I didn't have anybody to talk to. There was no information. The book that I read that I told you about didn't really give any information about it. So it took me a while. Now people understand that you know withdrawals are real. There's a process to go through, and they can get through it in you know sixty or ninety days. But mm. you know it took me a while. Mm. You talk about that back and forth. You talk about ba that back and forth, Mark. I think which is critical to recovery. And like you said, I've heard of instances, and this happened to you. You mentioned earlier that people unknowingly transfer their addiction from one substance to another. Like, yes. for example, your experience with, you know, when you had, you know, alcohol addiction and you quit that, it went right. into sugar addiction. When you quit alcohol, did you realize that you were transferring that into addiction to sugar? Did, were, you realize, were you realizing that? No, no, not mm. consciously. And mm. that's part of our work is to raise this awareness to the conscious level. It wasn't until hindsight that I understood that's mm. what I you know, because actually it's twice, I don't know if you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, twice in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, it says you should use sugar, that this is a good thing, right? Mm. And I found that all the people that I were getting, was in recovery with were all gaining like 30, 20, 30 pounds really quickly as soon as they got sober because they were, and cigarettes and coffee and sugar, you know, they were not drinking alcohol or using drugs, but they ended up using these other drugs, you know, mm. legal drugs, quote unquote. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So it's part of the Alcohol Anonymous protocol to add sugar into their diet. Is that what you're yeah. saying? It's actually in their their text, which they have never changed and they're never going to change. It's just the way that program is. But and. And if you've ever been to a meeting, you can see the back of the room, the table in the back of the room is covered up with sugar stuff, cookies, and everybody, there's an anniversary every time you go, so there's a cake every time you go. <laughs> mm. So, so are you saying sugar addiction is almost better than alcohol addiction? <laughs> you know, that's a, never been asked the question that way, but yeah, that's exactly what they're, they're – but remember, when the program was started 60, 70 years ago – there was no, you know, science about sugar the way, the way there is now. So it was mm. kind of, and still even today, I would say like 80% of people, 70% of people, there's no yeah. legal or ethical or moral obligation or worries to give this product to a baby, a one-year-old. Now, you wouldn't mm. give a cigarette or a drink to a baby, but you can give sugar to a baby. Yes. And they, this cultural phenomena happened pre-science, mm. right? Think yeah. cigarettes and seatbelts and cars and drinking and driving. When the science finally says, guys, this is this is not what we thought. <laughs> we need mm -hmm. to change this. Then it takes a lot for society to change. But you know, in our lifetime, mm -hmm. these things, other things have changed. Drinking yeah. and driving, smoking, 
this has all changed, you know, mm. and we've been able to watch it. I can guarantee the same thing will happen with sugar in the next 30 years. Mm. You have uh, thousands of accounts of people, um, you know, helping people just quit sugar. Yeah. You've heard all of, the, all of these stories. You've seen firsthand how sugar can, how sugar addiction can manifest in people. Can you right. tell us a little bit about sugar addiction, typically how it presents itself and what are some common signs that someone might be struggling with a sugar addiction there? Yeah, no, that's a great question. We have a quiz on our site. You know, it's got 10 questions, but I always tell people, if you need to go to sugaraddiction.com, you don't need to take the quiz. <laughs> Most people know, okay? Mm. And the people that come to me, I'll give you an example. 20%, a solid 20%, could be a little more, but of the people that call me for coaching are crying while they're in so. They're, they're, they've mm. tried everything for decades they're, you know, the average person has gained between one and two pounds a year since high school or college, sometimes a lot more, but just an average sugar addict or, or harmful user is, mm. you know, 20, 30, 40 pounds overweight yeah. or more. And they've tried everything because they've tried to quit and they've tried all these diets that say they need to quit sugar and they've reduced mm -hmm. it. Now, here's what happens. I'll give you a story. You like stories. So I had this guy. He was on a keto diet for he lost 100 pounds. Okay. And he still had 60 to lose. Right. And so he was just frustrated because he had been on it over a year. This 100 pound thing has, was amazing to him. But he could he was plateaued with these 60 because he kept falling back to Peanut M&M's was his vice, okay? And mm -hmm. so we tried to separate why he would relapse on the peanut M&M's and binge on them. And then once he, you know, he'd binge on other stuff after that. And come to find out, he had been in a relationship with a woman for 12 years, right? And mm -hmm. every time, it was kind of a not the best relationship. But every time he had a falling out argument, whatever, dust up with the woman, he would go to the M&M's, right? Well, you know, we kind of got into it, and now the M&Ms are gone, the woman's gone, the 60 pounds are gone. You know what I mean? It's He just finally realized, like most people do after we bring it to their conscious awareness, mm. that they were using sugar to manage their everyday stress and then possibly some old trauma. Like, And it doesn't have to be sexual abuse or physical abuse. Yep. But once you get off the comfort food, once you get off the sugar, what happens is mm. you start to remember some of the stuff that you used sugar to try yes. and forget. Yes. You know? Association. Yeah, exactly. How early does association and or where, to be more specific, where do we get that association that when we are, hung, when we are sad, depressed, lonely, as an adult, we reach for sugar, we reach for food we reach for you know fast food processed foods right where where does that come from yeah no it's it, it comes from their childhood likely it comes from the womb when your mother mm. was nervous about having a baby maybe it was her first or whatever and they have this silly ridiculous cultural phenomena where women are craving things Ice cream mm. sundaes with pickles on it. So, some stupid, ridiculous, but every one of them is a combination of sugar. 
You know, I personally believe people eat the sugar because they're nervous about the pregnancy, about the relationship, about the finance, right? And, you know, and they, and they gain like whatever. I mean, 40, 50, 60 pounds. My mother gained a hundred, gained 60 pounds on a hundred five pound frame when I was born. And she said all she ate was sugar. In contrast, my wife, my ex wife, gained like five pounds. Well, she gained 20 pounds, but 15 of it was baby, like they were twins, right? And so, because she didn't eat sugar during the pregnancy, right? And so, you don't have to gain a lot of weight to get pregnant. Anyway, it, the answer to your question is you learn it early in life. Likely, your parents were, and, and they didn't do it on purpose, look. But they gave you a cookie and they pointed you towards the television. You were crying. Yeah. You were upset. They were busy with the other kids or their job or whatever. And they knew that a cookie would quiet you. Yes. And so we started to associate in our brain both biologically and years of conditioning. And then yeah. they would end up, you know, it just carried through. Yeah. I mean, when was the last time you saw a movie where a woman got dumped by a guy and didn't have an ice cream party with her friends? It's actually a cultural phenomena, you know what I mean? So yeah, it's it goes way way back. It yeah, sure does. Yeah. It's almost like you I don't I didn't want to get into that any further because there's a lot of, you know, nuances in that bit, but you know, it's almost like it's acceptable for you to, you know, go all in into your, you know, cravings because if you don't yeah. you can't be restricting yourself by your just that that may have, you know, emotional uh repercussions in terms of like your pregnancy itself i'm like where's the science in that right but that's tricky that's this is why this subject is very tricky for a lot of people and you did you did mention that if you are you know if you are not having that back and forth within your if you're not relapsing when you're trying to recover from you know the addiction then you might not have the addiction anyway so like i want to get to just you know answer this question is what does sugar addiction differ from other types of addiction is there or is it all the same it just manifests different ways it's all the same it's a brain disease is a brain reward chemical disease the dopamine serotonin norepinephrine gaba um adrenals endorphins oxytocin, the big bonding chemical, how babies bond with their mother and people bond in a relationship. All of these brain reward chemicals are affected by drugs and alcohol the exact same way they are by sugar. Mm -hmm. And now the science is very clear that this is what's happening, very clear. And we have literally grooved pathways in our brain that set up cravings when we have the substance in our body, right? And it takes time to rebuild pathways of mm. different types of self-soothing, you know? Yeah. So we're not going to self-soothe with a cookie. We're going to self-soothe with a massage or a hug or a run or a walk or going to yoga or getting a manicure or pedicure. You know what I mean? Something yeah. different. We learn to self-soothe in other ways, but it's the exact same addiction. Addiction mm. is addiction is addiction. I mean, it's the yeah. same. And now 
you know, Sugar never got any respect. It, you know, you ever Rodney Dangerfield, they never get any respect kind of thing. Sugar never got any respect. Mm. Still doesn't really as a drug of abuse and a psychoactive drug that has the power. Remember, the dose is the poison, okay? We take a little heroin. We take a little cocaine, you know, alcohol, not that much really by volume. But we are pounding Mm-hmm. 25 teaspoons a day of sugar. And that's the average. Anybody with mm-hmm. any habit at all who's overweight is up 30, 40, 50 teaspoons of sugar a day. Hell, mm-hmm. a Coca-Cola has 12 in it. And so our yeah. brain never gets a break. The science is very simple. People who abuse sugar downregulate their dopamine receptors. They thin them out. They have less of them. And this is how we feel good. This is how we motivate mm. ourselves. This is how we remember things. It's, a, it's just a – and look, what happens – we've done surveys of tens of thousands of people who've you know, got recovery and changed their sugar habits. And you would think that they would brag and, and rave about their weight loss, but that's like number three or four on the list. What they, remem- what they talk about is their brain – came back online. They remember better. They focus better. They have no more headaches. They sleep better. All of these brain changes happen. And this is what the message really is that, you know, I go on podcasts and stuff, is that their brain is literally sugar shrinks your brain. You can Google it. It's a proven Mm. fact. Sugar reduces the volume of your brain, okay? Abuse of sugar, you know. Mm. And it's time that people realize that this is a real thing and that the science is now very clear that they need to yeah. take this seriously. That's a challenge, right? Just uh, just having to identify that this is a real thing. And, yeah. you know, it is hard to... Acceptance is number one, right? Accepting that you identify as a sugar addict is i think the key piece there into recovery because if not if you don't see yourself as one then you don't see yourself you know wanting to pursue getting better and so i want to i want to get that out of the way and recovery let's talk about recovery can you there's a you talk about i've seen you talk about sugar's revenge can you tell us a little bit about this phenomenon and how you help clients navigate that? Well, I mean, <laughs> sugar's revenge is like, you know, unless you kind of understand that you are an addict. And here's, you know, mentioned, you mentioned some important parts, some really important parts. And, and the biggest one is acceptance, you know, that you mentioned. Look, this is not what you wanted. This is what not what anybody wanted. People think of addicts as people's under a, people under a bridge with a brown paper bag and a bottle. Mm. You know, they do not think of themselves as, you know, they have a house. You know, most of my folks are high-performing professionals, right? I mean, they can they got a good house, a good job, a good car. They got a beautiful kids. They've done well in their lives. But this one thing because of the social acceptability of this, I'll give you a telling example. You know, the fastest growing segment of our 
groups now is people already sober from alcohol and drugs. And to a man, to a woman, every single one of them has said sugar was harder to quit than their original drug addiction or, or alcohol addiction. Mm. And so it really, it really becomes like just being able to accept the new science, accept and destigmatize the brain, the brain disease that is addiction that is caused by substances and to allow sugar to be as powerful as any of these other drugs. So that's the the main thing for recovery mm-hmm. is the acceptance that you biochemically, and here's how the numbers break down. About a third of people biochemically cannot ingest this product. And this is decades of research and working with people, other not just myself, but the Food Addiction Institute, where I was the chairman for a couple of years. It's like one third of people biochemically cannot ingest this product without creating cravings. And then about a third of the people are what we call harmful users. And harmful users are people who they just because 80% of the food products in the grocery store have sugar in them, and then they add some sweets to it, they're the ones that have gained a couple pounds every year since high school and don't really compute as to why. And But those folks, if they would do a reset, they may be able to use sugar once in a while on their birthday or whatever, once they get it out of their system and heal up a little bit. And then there's a third of people that are normal. <laughs> we all hate them. No, just kidding. Like mm-hmm. they're the folks who can have a half a glass of wine, can have a half a cookie and just leave it. I could never do that, you know. So the third of people who are sugar addicts, whose biochemistry will not allow them. And there's a debate and it doesn't matter what the debate is, whether or not they inherited it from their parents or they inherited it from their family behavior. It doesn't matter. It's today and when you ingest sugar, you can't seem to stop. Mm. Both in next day, next week, next mm. month, it just continues. And so mm. if you self-identify that as that, then you and I can't make that I can't make that mm. call for you. You yeah. have to do it yourself. Mm. And so acceptance I think you yeah. hit it right on the head. Long long answer to the acceptance mm-hmm. question. Let's get to some real actionable stuff. But From your experience, you know, sugar addiction and recovery, do you think moderation is a realistic approach for people struggling with this? You already know the answer to this one. (laughs) That's why you asked it. No, people can't moderate. Addicts cannot moderate. It's like having, you know, an alcoholic who can have a beer on Fridays and a a cigarette addict, a nicotine addict who can have a cigarette once or twice a, a a week. It doesn't work that way. And it's terrible that I have to be the bearer of this bad news. But here's the thing I tell people. Just give me 90 days. 90 days. Try it. If you know people end up, their skin is better, their weight is getting better, their numbers are getting better, they might be falling out of type 2 diabetes literally in 90 straight short days. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, it literally goes into remission that quickly. And so like, just give it a whirl. And if you want to go back, there's a 7-Eleven on every corner. But you got to try it, you know. And the actionable stuff is very, I don't want to say it's simple, but, you know, Dr. Google will tell you all about the actionable stuff. Here's the real actionable stuff. Yes, you're going to have withdrawals. And think nicotine here, not heroin, okay? But 
If you do everything flour, sugar, and caffeine, which I would suggest, just rip the Band-Aid off, by the third or fourth or fifth day, you're going to be incapacitated. You're going to have headaches. You're going to be lethargic. You're going to be hungry all the time. You're going to be irritable as hell. And this is just withdrawals. This is just your body wanting this product back in because the dopamine is not flowing. It's not being manually manipulated. And other chemicals are not being manually manipulated. And they are healing up your dopamine receptors. Now, there's no proof that dopamine receptors heal, but exercise and other things makes you feel better. And as you progress, the real solution, and that this is some people like it, some people don't. But the real solution is group support. This is joining another tribe, a tribe that believes as you believe that sugar is hard for you to manage alone. You've tried it for many, many years, maybe many decades, but you can no longer manage your sugar. You, you just can't stop when you start. And, you know, you've had a hard time stopping. And so... That's why I asked you to give us 90 days. And mm. the only way to do it, literally that we found, is the our peer recovery support system where it's not me telling you what to do. It's not the coaches telling you what to do. It's the coaches facilitating you meeting other people. Yes, we give you answers and we give you food products and, the, you know, or what you should eat and this and that and the other. That's a, that's a given. But what is less known is that you need, look, when most of the people that come to us, Lorenzo, their spouse is not on board, their kids yeah. are not on board, they go to work and people are still putting sweets mm -hmm. on their desk. It's it's hard if you don't mm -hmm. have someone who understands what's, we're tribe animals, like we want to be doing, some, doing things together like that. Yeah. This is the only answer that I found. There's no pills or shakes or, you know, injections. There's nothing that you can do or take that will beat being with other people, either virtually or in person, who are actually doing this. And have, maybe they've got a little bit more time than you do. They're mm. a little ahead in the process. Yeah. Let's say we did the 90 days. Yeah. After 90 days, do you teach a sustainable, you know, lifestyle after that because you know not saying it's all for nothing if you relapse after that but relapse is a real thing right yeah. like you mentioned and how do we teach how do you teach your clients into you know doing it themselves after that that's a great question and and the, and the bottom line is that we have a second process a second group of people who we call detox to lifestyle. And those folks are, it's like a, you know, the base is mostly people detoxing. That's always going to be the largest group. But the people that make it, and sometimes it's just not people's time, right? They're not ready. Mm -hmm. And they will come back if we've treated them correctly. But the answer to your question is, the people in our detox to lifestyle groups they we talk about everything under the sun except for the detox process. We talk about the relationship to food when you go to a restaurant, about a fam about family dynamics, about, you know, and, and there's a lot of health and fitness stuff. You know, so it's really you're still plugged into the tribe, you're still plugged into the group, 
the people who helped get you off the sugar. And these are the folks that help you stay off of sugar. And this is really what I found is the people that succeed. This is interesting as hell. So I was always concerned when people would come around and they were so knowledgeable about diet, exercise, keto, Mm -hmm. vegetarian, dieting, all this kind of stuff, but they couldn't get off the sugar. And then when they get off the sugar, and you can do this, you can Google information gathering and dopamine. And I realized that people were getting two hits of dopamine. They would research the, 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 the sugar, quitting sugar, and then they would go and use the sugar, but they never got off the sugar. So they went on around this circle, right? But once they get off the sugar, they become, you can see it literally on Zoom. You can see them, their face gets thinner. They get more articulate. It's like they come back to life. And then those people are mm-hmm. the most amazing folks because they're now researching health, they're researching a new career. Yeah. They're researching their art. They're researching their music. They're researching, and they're really doing that stuff. Sugar, Lorenzo, is an amotivational drug. And it literally takes, it's destroying the energy furnaces of the body and the brain, which is the mitochondria, and you have less energy, right? You, you mm-hmm. cannot think your way out of stuff. You can't go and exercise. You can't, you know, get to the gym or get to the recording studio. You can't do the stuff that you you think of in your brain because sugar is pulling your energy, destroying your energy through the mitochondria, your engines of energy in the body. And so once the folks get off of it, that tribe is the most excited, lit up, group of people, most of them are falling to a right-sized body for them, so their their confidence is way up. So maintenance, they call it. I don't like the maintenance term. I like lifestyle better. Mm. But yeah, it's it, it's that's the mm. most exciting part for folks, for me anyway, to watch. Yeah. For clients, you talk about a lot of people that, you know, already quit the sugar, you know, helping people for decade, for decades yeah. now. And, you know, help turn things around off the top. Can you think of an individual that turned things around that, you know, had great success long term that you didn't think that they they would have done it, but they did? Can you think of an example for our listeners here that so that they they find inspiration from Can you think oh, of somebody? Yeah. Mm. Oh, hundreds. But, mm. you know. The interesting part about it is all of my coaches have gone Mm -hmm. through this program. Now, I have a few that came in as certified health coaches from the health and wellness world. Most of them were pretty much off sugar, but they had never tried 100% abstinence from sugar, flour, and caffeine, a lot of them. Mm -hmm. But 85, 90% of the coaches, they are what you call, you know, in a business homegrown, you know, promoted from within, if you will. So they actually got off sugar and they wanted to help others. And they ended up, you know, as coaches through our trainings. Mm. And the bottom line is, is that everybody that makes it through experiencing experiences some sort of personal development. Look, I mean, a lot of your folks are going to be listening for weight loss or health issues if 
you know, it's a primarily keto kind of thing. And I can guarantee you, I'm, I can name names, Joy and, and Bethany and Barbara and Sly. I mean, it goes on and on. Mike, the guy that was the keto guy that lost 100 and then 100, the 60 pounds. There's, you know, they they just changed their life and their lifestyle, you know. And they one thing, too, they, they've accepted their new lifestyle, which I think scares people coming in. You know what I mean? Here's the main question they always yeah. want to ask. Do I have to do this for the rest of my life? Mm. And when they get to the other side, like, do I never have to have birthday cake? Or do I never have to go to a wedding and not have the birthday cake? And when they get to the other side, they do not want to have it, you know? Mm. So yeah. there's just Th plenty. Yeah. I mean. Those are wrong questions to ask, right, in the beginning? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, they're always asking <laughs> I mean, on the website, I think there's like a thousand testimonials on sugaraddiction.com. Mm -hmm. Like there's videos of people telling this story. There's, you know, mm -hmm. Facebook posts. I mean, it's like I said, there's a whole and I, mm -hmm. I got another yeah. thousand to add to it. I just haven't had time. They're like, <laughs> just Fair keep, enough. yeah, they just keep adding up so they can read them there. Mm. under reviews kind of review of how it, how it worked out for them so for for yeah. my last point here sugar-free children you've raised your kids <laughs> sugar-free i am trying my best here i have a little one i have a two-year-old here uh, can you tell us a little bit about that experience with this i mean how hard can that be <laughs> oh goodness it's really hard we fought the Montessori school, their own grandparents, the friends' parents. They thought that we were depriving them of a childhood. They thought that this was a rite of passage for children, yeah. that they would have their treats or whatever. Right. And this is part of the cultural problem. And and this is 30 years ago now. My kids are older. They're twins. But, but yeah, I mean, it was difficult. And it's not much better. We actually have a sugar-free kids summit coming up in March, I think. And we're, we got a lot of experts coming in, dentists and stuff. But the bottom line is, in this society, you're going to have a tussle. You have to just, you know, your your own parents, so their kids' grandparents are going to have, like, we couldn't leave them with them. My father was definitely not on board with this. He he would, like, give them, want to give them treats. So I knew that, and I caught him a couple times, you know. And it's like, you just... You have to res yeah. have the resolve. And, and one thing I can tell you, like my kids, like there's now very proven facts that the first thousand days of brain development is so important. And my kids never had sugar in the womb or till they were six years old. And it's a long story. But the short version is my kids are like rocket scientists smart. I'm just not that smart. You know, their brain just developed better. Developed. You know? I mean, we says don't have a lot time. there. Yeah. We don't have says time a lot. to go in. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, that but. says a lot. Yeah. What, what advice do you have for parents? Like, if you can give a, a, an advice, one advice, a couple of advice, who are trying to raise their kids sugar-free? Like, this will be directed to me, but, you know, for anyone that's listening to this, who wants to raise their kids sugar-free? What's your advice? Science. Mm. Science is my advice. Let mm. the science speak for itself. Let the science, like, I'll give you two examples, all right? So one, about two years ago, and i got to find this again because it got buried, but 
the American Pediatric Dental Association, the American Association of Pediatric De- Pediatric Sur- Pediatric Doctors, the American Heart Association, I think, and, and the William the the R- Richard Johnson Richard Wood Johnson, the largest nonprofit in the world, the Wood Johnson, whatever. They announced that sugar for children, they should have zero sugar from the mm. womb till three years old. And then I don't know if you even know this because just this year or last year, the end of last year, the food pyramid in the United States changed, but it hardly changed at all. It still has grains and cereals at the bottom and lots of, you know, whatever, and a very little bit of meat. And, but they said children under three years of age should have zero added sugar, zero. And now that was the biggest change in the food pyramid in 20 years. And so it's Mm. catching on kind of at the scientific level, just Mm. not at the population level. So Mm. science, they would read up on it. That would, it would scare them a little bit. So, and then they would be happy. The knowledge to have yeah. the resolve yeah. to keep up with gain it. that knowledge. You're gonna get a fight. You gotta get a fight. Yeah, you gotta gain confidence, and knowledge will give you that. Yes, because um, you're gonna probably gonna have a lot of question questions coming your way, and having knowledge, having t- that ability to answer, right, it gives you confidence in what you're doing. Right. Let's talk about quit quitting sugar summit, quit sugar summit, the tenth yeah. edition of the quit sugar summit is coming up soon. Can you tell us yeah. a little bit about, you know, what attendees can expect from this year's event? Oh, next year's event. Sorry. Yeah. When will this air? Because it's it's January 16th, 2023, sugar-free in 23. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's part of the sugar-free January celebration that we do. You know, we have a hard, large detox at Sugar Addiction at the beginning of the month. And then January 16th, mm-hmm. we start with over 50 experts. And I've been interviewing for not quite 10 years because we started doing it biannually. So we mm-hmm. do it twice a year now, January and September. But they can just go to quitsugarsummit.com. There's a three-minute video of Dr. Lustig, mm-hmm. the most famous sugar guy in the world, telling why this is so important. And if they just give us their name, you're going to have the Chris Palmer from Harvard, Gary Fetke. It just goes on. There's We've had the biggest of the big, you know, Gary Tobbs and, and uh, you know, Sean Baker. We've had just about everybody from the carnivore and keto community. And we even had a bunch of vegetarians on who were kind of eating a keto vegetarian diet. It's wild. But what's happened to me, I'm going to kind of give this a little selfishly, is that I've been able to see all of these research scientists, and I just get in there and get my questions answered, right? And they're starting, their information is starting to blend together, meaning Mm. sometimes like somebody's in a lab and they're studying this part of it, and then somebody else is in another lab and they're studying this part of it. Well, what's happened on the summit is all of this information is coming together, and these folks are actually meeting each other on the summit, These, these researchers, right? And we have the coaches and therapists and the addiction experts and the trainers. Joan Iflin, as you mentioned, is on here. Mm. And and just all of these folks. And the folks get, A, the knowledge, like we talked about before. They get the information that they need to, I guess I'd like to say, scare them a little bit because it's (laughs) just important information about what's doing to the body and the brain. And then they get the second part, which is the actionable knowledge about half of the folks or the coaches and the trainers 
And each one has a little bit different method. Mine's a little different than Jones and everybody's a little different, but they all work, you know? And so they get all this information on how to change, you know, how to act on the information that they got from the scientists. Mm. So it's a great little blend of folks. Yeah. Awesome. Mike, thank you so much for joining me on the Ketones and Coffee podcast today and uh, sharing your insights on your expertise on sugar addiction and your wisdom and experience have been invaluable to our listeners. I'm sure they've learned a lot here from our conversation. If anyone is interested in learning more about, you know, quitting sugar and reclaiming control of their lives, I highly recommend checking out the the Quit Sugar Summit 2023. And it's an incredible resource for anyone looking to make, you know, a positive change in their life and don't forget is a free ebook still available on for download yeah just go to sugaraddiction.com it's right there on the main site awesome awesome again mike thank you so much for being here with us today and we really appreciate your time and insight and we hope to have you back on the keto and podcast again soon and thank you thank you and thanks for having me i really enjoyed it all right bye-bye bye-bye Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in to another great episode here on the Ketones and Coffee podcast. And we've had such a pleasure of hosting yet another amazing guest here, guys. If you're eager to learn more about the secrets of succeeding on the ketogenic lifestyle, be sure to check out the show notes. As a special treat for our loyal listeners, I'm offering an exclusive opportunity for a free consultation call. Discover how you can achieve success on the ketogenic lifestyle by simply referring to the details provided in the show notes take advantage guys of this unique chance to enhance your journey to a healthier you and stay tuned for more captivating episodes and until next time guys keep embracing the power of ketones